0: We've been studying the passage of 1 Corinthians chapter 13 because it's a passage of Scripture that really deals a little more in depth of what love is. All right, It deals with uh, what love does. It deals about what love thinks. It deals with love itself. So 1 Corinthians chapter number 13 and as, I'm just going to review a, a few things as we're, as we're um, opening up tonight in our study. And the reason I, I, I need to review is because we've been, we've been gone for, I guess, two weeks or so that we haven't had uh, the, the uh, services as we've been normally doing. Last week, we had our Christmas party. And then the week before that, we just kind of had a game night. And so uh, I want to review, just make sure we're all on the same page when it comes to Uh, what we've been studying, what love is. Now, we said that the letter of 1 Corinthians was written to the church at Corinth because there was a lot of division. There was a lack of love in that church, even though it was a church that preached the gospel, even though it was a church that had a lot of talented people, even though it was a church that uh, was trying to be a light in the city of Corinth, yet... Through all of that, they they were lacking the most important thing, which is love. It's the most important thing when it comes to the Christian life, when it comes to living the Christian life. And so, Paul uh, writes this letter to them, and in chapter 13, he begins to explain love's value. So, look what it says, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse number 1, he said, "'Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, and have not charity,' The word charity here is the word love. He said, I am become as a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. So Paul starts with this idea of the value of love, love's value. He, he's trying to communicate to the people at Corinth who were very talented and uh, people that uh, if you were to visit their church, you might think, wow, they really know God. Wow, they really serve God and, and they're really a church that's going after God. And yet the apostle Paul said, no, actually, even though they have all these things that they do they're missing the most important, which is why you do what you do. He said, you're so proud of all the talents that you have and all the ministries of your church, but you're missing love. You're missing what church is all about. You're missing the core value of our faith, which is love. It was love that sent the Lord Jesus Christ to this earth. It's love that sought our forgiveness instead of our condemnation. It's love that keeps us close to the Father. In fact, in the book of the Song of Solomon, he said, my beloved is mine and I am his. It's a loving relationship. So Paul starts with the value of love. He says love is more important than your gifts. He says that in verse number one. He says that love is more important than your faith Uh, and by faith he means by believing right Uh, and then he says it's more important than your goodness or your good works and he says love is more important than your sacrifice even if you give your body to be burned he said it's it's nothing if you don't have love love is the most valuable thing and so many times that's the last thing we give at Christmas time, we give a lot of gifts. And if you were in the church of Corinth, you probably would be one that gives a gift to someone, actual gift. And you would say, oh man, they must be people that really know what Christmas is all about. And Paul would have said, no, they don't. So they know how to give gifts, and they know how to show this kind of outward appearance, but inside, they're missing it. Because if you can do all of that, and you don't have love, you're missing the value of all those things. So he talked about love's value, but then he talks about love's vein. Now, in the book of Leviticus, the Bible says that the life of a person is found in the blood. Now, if you're, uh, I don't know, a fan of history, you'll know that our first president died by being bled to death. Doctors in those days thought, well, if you're sick, it's because there's something wrong with your blood, So let's let the blood come out, the bad blood come out, and then we'll try to help them. That's how doctors thought back in that day. And our first president, George Washington, actually literally bled to death. But if they would have studied scripture, and every once in a while science catches up to the Bible, they would have found that the Bible says that life is found in the blood. That's why we don't want to lose blood, because it's what gives you life and what gives love its life life uh, the the veins of love now we have veins in our body they they say that uh, we have over 2000 miles worth of veins in our bodies that's a lot of veins and it's through these veins that the blood runs it's where life is found in us and the same is true with love and and paul simply begins to share with those at corinth here let's let's just look at where the life of love is so he begins to share with them love's vain. He said, love is patient even when being provoked into difficulty. In verse number four, he says, charity suffereth long and is kind. Suffering long is meaning to be patient. Love is patient uh, with others even when you're provoked by others, even when you're called names, even when you're, uh, someone's doing something actively to anger you or to try to harm you or hurt you. Love is patient. But then it says it's kind, that's the action of love. Uh, the, the, uh, the first one of suffering is love is patient, it's kind of what you're feeling, the, the reception of what's going to happen to you. But love is kind is how you respond to that situation, how you respond to what is happening. First you receive it with patience and then you act in love by being kind and doing good to those around you. And then we said that love is celebrating what others have instead of hating them for it. It says, love envieth not. That's what envy means. It means that uh, you're you're wanting what someone has. You you can't celebrate with them because uh, you can't be excited for them because you're, you're so disappointed that you don't have that. And you want it so bad that suddenly you can't be excited that someone got new shoes. You can't be excited about someone's new outfit. You can't be excited that they got 100 on the test and the teacher marked your answer wrong. And suddenly it's like, oh, this teacher just hates me. And then you don't like that person. And, and suddenly all this happens because of lack of love. But love... Love doesn't have that. It doesn't envy. It celebrates what others have instead of hating them for it. And then he says, Love is seeking to uplift and edify others and not themselves. It vaunteth not itself. That's what that word vaunteth means. It's it's something that is looking to uplift others. The words that it's sharing with others is to encourage them, to edify it. And then it says, "Is humble and recognizing that it is not all about us, but really about others that's what he says at the end of verse 4, is not puffed up it's, in other words love is, it's not about me, it's about you it's about those outside of myself so the apostle Paul is trying to communicate here's what love thinks and here's what love does and, and here's what love's focus is, this is what gives love the life that it has then he continues in verse number five. He says, it does not behave itself unseemly. In other words, it, uh, it behaves in an appropriate manner with the right kind of behavior. Uh, love is not looking to ignore people. It's amazing to me. I've worked now for a little more than 12 years as a youth pastor here at the church, and I've seen teenagers that just lack a lot of love. You're saying, what do you mean they lack a lot of love? Not in receiving love, but rather in giving love. I've seen them respond to their parents in a way that you say, that's not loving at all. Instead of responding in a way that would be Christ-honoring, in a way that would be good manners, they, they kind of respond like their parents are bothering them. Like, leave me alone. Get out of my room. That one always gets me, get out of my room. They haven't paid one penny for the clothes they have, nor the shoes that they have, nor the food that they eat, but it's my room. It ain't your room. Let me just tell you that right now. Okay, so you're one of those teens that say, I tell my parents, get out of my room. It ain't your room, okay? It's not your room. It's a room that was given to you by your parents to borrow. Because then you're going to turn 18, and we'll see you later, alligator, okay? It ain't your room. But aren't you glad you have a parent that loves you enough to say there's a room for you? It doesn't have to be big. It doesn't have to be fancy. It's just a bed to sleep in and some food to eat. So what makes a parent do that? And more than likely in the next 15 years, all of you are going to be parents. And you're probably going to do that for your kids. And if you don't believe me, it's, it's amazing. I've, after 12 years, I've, I found a lot of our teens... They're no longer teens, and they are parents. And we talk about these things, and it's funny how their perspective has changed, how their view has changed from when they were 14, and now that they're 24 and 25, they go, oh, they don't look at life the same. They don't look at their parents the same. And they start seeing how much, really, they were loved. And they start regretting some of the behavior that they had. It's amazing to me. Some of them have had to ask their parents, hey, will you forgive me? Because I didn't answer you, I didn't act like I should have acted. I didn't behave the way I should have behaved. You see, love acts in the appropriate manner. Paul said, listen, if you're, if you're going to live out this thing of love in your life, if you really have love and you really want to show love, that's what love will do. And then we find that he says, love is desiring to give more than getting. So in verse number five, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil. That of seek, uh, seeketh not her own is, is, is simply saying it desires to give more than get. It puts its focus on others, not on themselves. Is doing right even when having been wronged, when it's not easily provoked. That's what it means. Love is doing right even when having been wronged. And then is okay for getting others faults against them. Love does that. Love does that. And if you're in any kind of relationship, in the teenage years is a time when we, oh, we we start looking at one another differently and suddenly you get in relationships, whether it's a boyfriend or a girlfriend or just close friends, as we say it in quotations. Right? We're talking to them and we're texting them and we're calling them. And you'll find that if that relationship's gonna last, then you're gonna have to have love in that relationship. In other words, you're going to have to have a point where you're going to forget their faults because if not, it ain't going to last. Because we all have faults. We all mess up. We all say things we regret. We all do things that we wish we wouldn't have done. And yet, it's so wonderful. Listen, I I don't know about you, but in my life, I've experienced that it's just awesome when somebody's willing to forgive you. Miss Rochelle's there in the back. She can tell you, I'm not the best husband. I'm, I don't always say the kindest of words. She can, she can attest to that. I, I'm not always one that gives the best compliments. I don't know why. I'm just not very good at that. But I'm so glad that Rochelle's willing to s- overlook some of those faults. doesn't mean that she says, oh, it's okay that I have said that. No, that's not what she says. But she's willing to forgive me of that and say, so let's just move forward with our relationship. You see, that's what true love does. It forgets others' faults against them. And then, love is sorrowful for the misfortune of others, even their enemies. Thinketh no evil, that's what it means there. Thinks no evil. It, love's not sitting there trying to hope that something bad happens to that person that said something to me, that offended me. Love doesn't do that. I don't know of any better person, and and I've said this over the last few weeks, but I don't know of any better person that exemplified love to the people at Corinth than Paul. Do you know that at one point, Paul has to defend himself? This is a guy that led them to Christ. This is a guy that when they have offended him, he's forgiven them. This is a guy that went out of his way when the city was persecuting him, that he said, well, I'm still going to do my very best to get to those people and share with them and grow them in their faith. I mean, this is a guy that sacrificed, literally sacrificed so that he could help them. And it comes to the point where they're saying, I don't know about this guy, Paul. And they start questioning him. Who says he's an apostle? Why is he an apostle? Who, who, Who does he think he is? And suddenly they're questioning his motives they're questioning what he does and what he says. They question how much money he makes to the point where Paul has to say, listen, if y'all don't want to give me money, don't give me money. I can make some tents. And that's what he did on the side. He had to make tents so he could sell them and make money so he could live off of. And that, by the way, is a shame. He told the church at Corinth, this is a shame for you guys. It's not something that you should be proud of. Let me tell you, any church that doesn't want to support their pastor financially, shame on that church. Young people, when you grow up and you get your job and you begin to tithe, understand this is a biblical thing in a way that God says, this is how you support that person that is giving you spiritual food. That's what Paul said. Paul said, listen, he put it this way. He said, if you're willing to get an ox, right, to plow your fields and you plow your fields so you can plant corn and that way the corn produces corn and then you can eat and you can survive the next day and the next day and the next day. He said, none of you will work that ox and not give him food. None of you will make the ox plow the whole field the whole day and say, I'm not giving him water. What does he think he's doing? I mean, come on. You don't do that. He said, You don't even treat an animal that way. But, he said, You at Corinth, that's how you've treated me. In other words, you treat your dog better than you treat me. And yet, through all of that, the Apostle Paul said, But I still choose to love you. What made the Apostle Paul do that? He said, It's because I know and I have found this to be true. This is what love does it's sorrowful, even for the misfortunes of others, even of those of my enemies. Paul wasn't thinking, Oh, man. I hope something bad happens to those people at Corinth just so they can learn a lesson. I hope they lose their houses so then they can know how I feel. I hope they go a couple days without some food so then they know how I feel. Sometimes that's how we can think. But Paul says, that's not love. Love is sorrowful. Then he said, love does all it can to cover and to protect. It rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. And then he says it bears all things. You know that word beareth all things. There in the King James Bible. It it means to carry the load. It means to well, first it means to cover and protect. So in other words, love covers the faults. It doesn't look to publish faults. Now, you guys understand this probably better than anyone, probably better than me. In my generation, there's no really way to publish things unless you were doing it face-to-face or over the phone. But today, it just takes one of these things. And not only are people in your sphere of influence like those of your youth group will find out, but people at school, literally people in other countries, if they follow you. You know, come out on the news feed and suddenly you've published this literally to other countries, to people you don't even know, people that just follow you. We call it gossip. And Paul says that's not what love does. Love looks to cover, to protect people from that. Then he says, not only does it look to cover, but Love believes the best and gives the benefit of the doubt. There, he says, it believeth all things. It's not saying that love is gullible and you know, believes in aliens. That's not what Paul's saying. Paul says, it believes in the best of people. Do you know when you start believing in the best of people, sometimes you can get hurt. Sometimes you'll have a friend and you think, this friend will never talk bad about me. And then you learn later that they talk bad about you. The first thing you ought to do when you hear news like that, and sometimes it it comes to your ears and they'll say, hey, did you know so-and-so said this about you? You know what love does? The first thing it does, it gives the benefit of the doubt. It might say something like, well, maybe they're right. Maybe I haven't been that good. Love gives the benefit of the doubt. It believes the best. It believes that when someone has offended you and they come and say, hey, I, I shouldn't have said that. I'm sorry. Man, I, I, that was really dumb of me. I was just mad and I was jealous and I said something. You know what love does? It believes the best and say, yeah, I believe that. I believe you. It doesn't sit there and say, well, <laughs> we'll see. It doesn't say, well, I'm going to give you the silent treatment for a week and then we'll see you next week. That's not what love does. That's what we do sometimes. But Paul said, That's, love believes all things. It believes in the best of people, and, and it might hurt you, but listen, don't, don't just right away judge somebody and, and say, oh, did they say that? Well, you know, you know what? You know what? Let me tell you something about them. You might not know about this, but they've told me one time this and this and this and this. And suddenly down the road, you find out, you know what? They never even said that. Someone lied about what they said, and now you've went ahead and spread a bunch of stuff that was given to you to be kept personal. That's why Paul says, that's not, love, listen, love looks for the best of people, and it believes in the best of people, and it looks to give the benefit of the doubt to people, and then he says there, it hopes all things. In other words, it's optimistic, and it refuses to acknowledge defeat. I love that. Love doesn't look to say, oh, there's no hope, oh, this is the worst, life's never going to get better, I'm surrounded by people that hate me, why can't I move to another state, why can't we leave this church? No, love doesn't do that. Love hopes all things. The Bible says that If you're excited about Jesus coming again, he calls that the blessed hope, the Bible says. It's a blessed hope. In other words, there's something better coming. That's what love does. It has the attitude of something better is coming. I don't know what it is, but something better is coming. I'm optimistic about it. I'm I'm hopeful about what the future has for me. And I'm not going to resign to the fact that, well, life's tough. You know what? Life's tough for everybody, guys. It really is. I found that people that believe God sometimes lose their job. And people that don't believe in God sometimes lose their job. It's just tough. But love is what keeps us going. It gives us the hope that we need. Love is that thing that will get you through that difficult time. That that time when people at school are talking bad about you or whatever. Those kinds of times... Love hopes all things. Then I want you to notice that it endures all things. It carries the burden. It carries the burden. Let me tell you something. Do you have friends that share something with you that you might just carry with them? I've had very close friends in my life. Tell me what they're struggling with. And they didn't tell me so I can feel that I'm better than them. They didn't tell me so I could justify what I have done. They told me just so that I could carry that that burden with them. That's what love does. You're there for a friend, not to judge that friend, but to help carry what they're going through. I know my roommate in college, one of my best friends, one of my closest friends, his name's Matt. He was here last summer. And Matt told me, you know, that the first day when he got to college, he was from Georgia, lived in Atlanta, Georgia. He went to college with me in Lancaster, California. He said, when I got there, I got news that my parents were divorcing after 20 years of marriage, more than 20 years of marriage. They're divorcing. That was rough. That was rough. We talked about it. And we we kind of... Bonded together during that time. We found things that we could do with one another and just encourage one another through those times. And that was just simply saying, hey, will you help me carry this burden? Because it's tough. Young people, that's, that's what love does. It endures. It endures. And then I want you to notice lastly, that it will never let you down and it will never cease to do its work. Love never faileth. That's how Paul said it. Do you know that gifts will fail you? Money will fail you. Your job will fail you. The universe is going to fail you. It's going to be destroyed one day. This world will fail you. Everything is going to fail I mentioned this this morning, the second law of thermodynamics, that everything tends towards destruction and towards chaos. But there's one thing that will not fail. That's love. Do you know when this world melts away, and the universe melts away from its sin, and the presence of death itself is gone, one thing will remain, and that's love. You say... uh, Pastor Jeremy, how do we know that a thousand years from now, we won't sin again? How do we know that there won't be another devil? Because after all, Satan was the angel of light. How do we know that that's not going to happen again? How do I I know that I won't let God down a thousand years from now? I mean, if someone like Lucifer, the angel, could do it, how do I know I won't? It's real simple. Love. You see, love doesn't stop its work. You and I, when we got saved, we're indwelled by love. You say, I thought we were indwelled by Christ. Christ is love. In fact, 1 John chapter 5 says God is love. Love is God. It will never cease to do its work. You see, the Bible says when we get our new body, And when we're out of this world, we'll know perfect love. We'll have perfect love. That's how you can know a thousand years from now, I'm not going to fall into sin anymore. Why? Because of love in me. You say, well, well, how about until then? What are we going to do until then? Because the Apostle Paul said in Romans chapter 7, man, every day I'm battling this thing called sin. And I need to overcome. How do I overcome by love love helps you to overcome that's why Jesus said by this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you love one another love does that it's the work of love that does that you see why this is so important to understand young people that if we don't know what love is how do you love God So people say well I I go to church that's not loving God Nowhere in this whole passage here does it say going to church is love. Now it's a good thing. Church is a mighty important thing. The Hebrews, the book of Hebrews teaches how important church is for us. I'm not trying to get in your mind that, uh, that, that uh, church is not that important. No, no. It's very important, but let me tell you something. There's something even more important than church. That's love. Without love, it's nothing. So this evening, as we look at what love does, a life of love, let me ask you something. Are you loving God? Do you really love God? How about this? Do you love what God loves? Man, that's a tough question to answer because... So many times, even at my age right now, there are times where I, I know I'm not loving what God loves. I'm not loving who God loves. And sometimes you'll find that the ones that need love most are the ones that don't give you that love. It's easy to love someone who loves you. Even Jesus said, even people that don't believe in God do that. It's when someone hurts you. When someone says something about you and talks bad about you, then can you love them still or can you not? Because that's when love is really tested. That's when it really means something. Any other time, it's kind of just self-interest. God says, I love you. Will you love me? This year, young people, that's what I want to focus on. Loving God. Just not, not, not just knowing what Psalm 23 says in Psalm 100. No, no, no. I'm saying, do, do you love God? You don't have to have chapters of the Bible memorized to love God. You don't have to be a pastor or a youth pastor to love God. Now, the Apostle Paul shared with us, this is what love is. It's what love does. It's how love thinks. Now love. That's what we've been called to do, to love. And I want to challenge you even tonight as you think about all that love says and does, how it thinks and how it acts, say, man, is that, is that the love that I have or do I not? In the area that I don't, God, help me to have love in that area. Help me to do that. Man, I, I, I hope it's your desire tonight to have just that kind of love. It's the only thing that matters. It's the only thing that'll last. You know, it's the only thing.